You're listening to the Light Forge Podcast, the key to unlocking your arena success with your co-hosts, ADWCTA and Murps. Welcome to the Light Forge Podcast. This is Advokta. And there is no Murps. Uh, if you guys don't know, Murps gave, uh, well, I was about to say he gave birth. Uh, his wife gave birth to uh, to to a boy uh, last week, and so we are doing this without Murps as he runs on zero sleep and cannot commit to any long periods of times to do streaming or recording stuff. So I don't know when Murps will be back um, to to the stream or to the Sunday stuff or to the podcast. We're hoping next week, but who knows? Um, it's Apparently, being a uh, raising a newborn um, is 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 really time consuming, and you don't get a lot of sleep. I've, I've never heard that before. But um, we will move. We will push forward without Murps. All the scores. Oh, oh, so this is the big one, by the way. If you're just listening to this and you're like, "Oh, it's just another podcast," no, we skipped last week. The week before that, we did Death Knight. So, by the way, no Death Knight card reviews. If you want to hear all the Death Knight card reviews, including the card reviews for March of the Lich King, uh, listen to the podcast that's numbered before this one. So, 374. That's the Death Knight one. That's all the cards, including the ones in March of the Lich King. Because they're all being released at once. It felt kind of pointless to split them up. Anyway, this is the big, big, big card review. The one that normally takes six hours, but will hopefully take a lot less because I'm the only one talking. Um... And it is for March of the Lich King Arena Card Review Evaluation. Now, Murps did look over all these uh, tier scores. So this has the Murps seal of approval. Uh, This is not just me going crazy and doing whatever I want here. He will just not be here to present his case or to explain, uh, you know, his views on stuff. Uh, So you'll, you'll, you'll only get my views, but the end tier placements have all been blessed by Murps and, you know, we had some discussions on some cards. Not too many here. Like, honestly, this set is pretty straightforward. Like, we, we said this before in the Death Knight review, right? Death Knight review... The Death Knight is a pretty straightforward class. Nothing new is happening. It's just the runes that's like letting you build your own Hearthstone hero character. But the actual stuff the Death Knight does is super normal. Well, this entire set, all anything does in this entire set is all super normal. So it was pretty easy to value these cards. And so I think the accuracy is going to be very high. Um, but before we continue on with that... We also know the rotation. So I'm going to talk a little about the rotation. Usually you guys know that I bring together some themes and talk to you about how the next, uh, how the next uh, rotation is going to be if we know the rotation already. And we do here. So I'll talk a little about it. Uh, it's not going to be as in-depth as usual. Uh, but the, the main sets, the sets that are going to be in is Core, Curse of Nax, which is like 20 cards. Uh, probably not even. Mean Streets of Gadgetzan. Which was great when it came out, but only has a few relevant cards now, and all the neutrals are uh, Knights of the Frozen Throne for the Death Knight connection. Uh, but Knights of the Frozen Throne also an old set. Witchwood, which was one of the weakest sets to come out for its time. United in Stormwind, which was like three years ago, two and a half years ago. It was a while ago. Um, but it was, it's definitely not like one of the current standard sets, uh, by a long shot. 
uh, and then March of the Lich King, which is this upcoming set. So you basically have a bunch of very old and weak sets come in. United and Stormwind, which is not quite up to modern like levels, but closer than the rest significantly. And then you have March of the Lich King, which is a December set. And you guys know what December sets mean. It means that crazy stuff is going to happen um, in terms of power levels. And this set does not disappoint for Arena, at least. Uh, and uh, yeah, what this ultimately means is that it doesn't really matter what these other sets do. Like, I'm not analyzing this too deeply, because United and Stormwind is going to matter a little. Witchwood is not going to matter at all. Knights of the Frozen Throne is not going to matter at all. Mean Streams of Gadgetzam might as well not exist. Curse of Nax is, I mean, it's a mini set, and it really might as well not exist. This is going to be another one of these metas. Like, we've seen it, because we've been in this wild meta for quite a few rotations now. Where, like, all murder, actually. Where it was just no standard meta ever. It was just murder... And then a bunch of old sets. Murder, and a bunch of old sets. Murder, and a bunch of old sets. Uh, so, uh, yeah, this is going to be the same. This is going to be really, really, really focused on March of the Lich King. Because the other sets all kind of suck. Um, I'll, I'll go in a little bit deeper into each of these sets and what they're doing um so 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 next nothing's happening mean streets of gadgets and nothing's happening knights of the frozen throne the big one the big thing to worry about in knights of the frozen throne really kind of the only thing to worry about in knights of the frozen throne is bone mare is back it's an unnerfed bone mare they nerfed it at one point like once it got released if you remember when bone mare came out for knights of the frozen throne this was many years ago we were like what and by we i mean everybody like, this was not a, haha, we're, you know, we're, we're good at analyzing cards, so we realize you have to nerf this card. The entire community saw this card and was like, Arena's broken now. How do we play Arena? And we were all right. Arena was totally broken. It was just whoever got their bone mare, like, in first, because they would wipe the other person's board, and then the other person's bone mare wouldn't do anything. Um, so anyway, bone mare's back. Uh, well, so watch out for that. Uh, it's unnerfed, which means, but, but, but even unnerfed bone mare, just to give you an idea of how much power creep has happened, unnerfed bone mare is a B plus. I went back and revalued it just for the hell of it, so I have some point of reference. It is not an A tier card. B plus is like very high for a, a common uh, neutral card. Like I don't like common neutrals at B plus, but that's okay. There's a lot of common B, neutral B plus cards. Like bone mare is just going to be one of a crowd. Um, so yeah, uh, but but it's a relevant card. And the other two sort of relevant cards are Banshee and Hildnir. If you remember, Banshee was the 4-mana 5-5 and Hildnir was the 3-mana 4-4. And when they were released, uh, this is where a lot of people were like, oh, these cards are unplayable, or eh, they're not so good. And we were like, before it was even released, we were like, these cards are absolutely amazing. They can be some of the best neutral cards in the entire game. And we were right. But that was back then. Both of these cards right now... and and. and if Bone Mare was totally broken and unable to exist in Arena at B+, both of these cards are barely Bs. The gap between these cards and Bone Mare is huge. But what do you know about B-tier cards, especially low B-tier cards these days? They're good. You like them. You want them in your deck. But they don't really change the game. Whereas back then, you play a Hildnir on curve, and then they don't answer, or you play a Banshee on curve you kind of just win the game like more than 75% of the time on the basis of a Banshee or a Hildenir. Especially a Banshee. 
uh, and they're just not kind of like cutting it anymore. Um, so that's Night of the Frozen Thrones. Uh, it's just not a big impact. You go to Witchwood. Witchwood is one of the weakest sets of its time. The best neutral card to come out of Witchwood at the time was Phantom Militia. I remember when we were reviewing this set, we were like, what is going on? Nothing is happening in neutral here. Like, I don't know. Hearthstone's not power creeping at all. This is weird. Um, Phantom Militia's bad. I didn't go back and revalue because it's a really freaking complicated card, but I, I, I can safely tell you that Phantom Militia is not a good card. It is like a C-tier card at most nowadays. And that was like the best card in neutral of the set, which tells you all you need to know about Witchwood. Witchwood came after Knights of the Frozen Throne, too. Like, Witchwood was weird. Um, okay, uh, there are some good class cards in Witchwood, but the best of the class cards are Silver Sword and Blink Fox, which are like... A tier cards, question mark, B plus tier cards nowadays, they're still very good. You still want to pick them. They're still some of the best cards in your deck. But no one's calling these cards broken. At the time, they were very broken. Um, it's just, it's not a very impactful kind of set to begin with. And, you know, we're, we're power creep by now. Uh, finally, the set that's semi-relevant is United and Stormwind. Um, and I say semi-relevant because... United and Stormwind has actually... Like, United and Stormwind was after the Lightforge tier list stopped existing. So we actually have tier list ratings for United and Stormwind. You can actually go back and watch us use this exact tier system of S tier through F tier for United and Stormwind. And so I went back and just looked at what we gave stuff. In neutrals in United and Stormwind, there was one A tier card. It was Battleground Battlemaster. It got nerfed. We said it was going to get nerfed, people didn't believe us, and then it was overpowered and it got nerfed. Uh, then there was one B-plus card. B-plus cards are fine, these cards are not going to get nerfed, but they're powerful, and that's Traveling Merchant. Which again, nobody is like screaming, like, oh no, the sky's falling, Traveling Merchant is in the game. It's just a good card. Your other cards that we had rated high at the time were like Nobleman, Enthusiastic Banker, Pandaren Importer. Now this is the interesting one, because there actually is an A-tier card in Neutrals in United and Stormwind coming in, and that is Pandaren Importer, because they buffed it. They changed Pandaren Importer at some point and made it a 3-mana 2-4. And so all of a sudden, Pandaren Importer is a low A-tier card. And you'll see there's a very similar card also coming out of March of the Lich King that's going to be a low A-tier card to go with it. Um, these cards are not great for the arena. You know, our policy is A-tier cards should not exist in neutral, period. Maybe as epics, legendaries are fine. But, like, even at epics, it's kind of iffy. But they really shouldn't exist in rare or, or common. And Pandaren Importer is... I forget if it's rare or common. It's probably common. But, uh, but that's going to be a problem. And that is coming back. And then Encumbered Pack Mule was our other B-tier card. The one that we got wrong was Deep Run Engineer, which we rated absurdly low. Um, and you, you, like, we rated it a D tier. We were wrong. Deeper on Engineer was, like, the star of the show when it came out. I don't know what mechs are in the meta, but someone needs to freaking do this analysis if they haven't yet. Like, just look at all the mechs and see how Deep Run Engineer is. I hope it's not great. I hope it's just, like, a C-tier card. Because this is a card that... Because it discovers a mech, and your pool of mechs is very small, depending on what sets are it in. So I'm hoping that it's diluted enough and there's no super powerful mechs. 
Uh, but who knows, right? Like, I, I did not look into it. Um, I see Ledger Hard in chat saying, Deep Run is banned. That's the other thing. It's not entirely clear what cards are banned or not. Is Deep Run still banned? It was banned. It'll probably start banned. But I wouldn't be surprised if this stuff is, uh, is kind of reset, right? Knights of the Frozen Throne is coming back. Are the Death Knights still banned? The legendary cards? I don't know. Uh, they might be. They may start out banned. They may get unbanned. They're certainly not game-winning anymore uh, with all the power creep. So, I mean, we'll see. But Deep Run Engineer is a card to keep out, uh, keep an eye out on. Um, and the other B-tier card we had was Stormwind Guard, which is a good card. Stormwind Guard is good. Um, okay. But to give you a, a, a further idea... So anyway, my point is no A-tier cards are coming back. Not even really B-plus tier cards, just Traveling Merchant. This is going to be... Uh, you remember, um, United and Stormwind is the tradable set. So it's quite good for Arena in terms of just playability in Arena. You, it lets you trip, put combos together. It's come back a number of times uh, in these wild rotations since, um, since Matt London's taken over. I think he just really likes this set. Uh, and you can see why. It's, it's an interesting set to play with. It's not overpowered. Um, it's, uh, uh, it kind of smooths out Arena. But it's not, the point is that it's not overpowered. When you look at the class cards, you can also see that it's not overpowered. I'm going to give you a, a comparison of the class cards of United and Stormwind. There are two A-tier cards that are not epic or legendary in the class cards for United and Stormwind. Two. Let me, let me see what they are. I realize I didn't write down what they are. Oh, uh, and, and I say two, uh, and I exclude Ramming Mount, which is in this set. We rated it A+, and we said this was so swingy, it'll get banned, and it got banned. Eventually. Took a while. But the two cards that are A tier that are not banned is Call of the Grave for Priest. And Park Panther. For, uh, for Druid. Park Panther is the 4-mana four 4-4 four, four rush that also gives you 3 attack. Those are your A tier cards. That's it. If you want to compare that to a modern set, like say the prior set, Nathria... I went back and looked at how many class cards are A tier or above in Nathria. It's 20. So we went from two cards in Stormwind to 20 cards in Nathria. And Nathria was not a particularly powerful set. Right? Like, Nathria was like, okay, we didn't power creep what existed before a kind of set. So this is what I mean by you guys really shouldn't worry about any of these other sets. This meta that's coming in is going to be all about March of the Lich King. The other sets are going to be just bit players dragging everybody's power level down. Alright, so that being said, there is one thing that the earlier sets are going to impact. Or not impact. In that there are no one-drops. March of the Lich King has very few tempo one-drops. I think I don't want to say it's zero until we go over it, but I think it's zero in common and neutral. None of the other sets have uh, that are coming into this uh, wild meta has tempo one-drops. There is just Stockade's Guard. That's it. In core right now, 
you have mistress of uh you have mistress and you have worgen and those are your only two tempo one drops so you're gonna be in a meta where the only three cards that are tempo one drops are mistress worgen and stockade's guard people are saying zombie chow is in is zombie chow in Okay, if Zombie Chow is in, also Zombie Chow. That's still only four cards. That's still only four options at Tempo 1 drop. It's so hard to see what's in, uh, what's in the sets. Um, I'm going to confirm right now whether Zombie Chow is in. No, Zombie Chow's not in. What are you guys talking about? I'm looking at Core right now. Zombie Chow is not in. Oh, from Nax. Zombie Chow was from Nax? Oh, I so thought of it. it was from GVG. It's so tied in my mind with the GVG meta. Okay, fine. All right, so Zombie Chow is also in that. That's right. Zombie Chow is also in because it is from Nax, and so it is in. Okay, so there's four Temple One drops, and that is it. That's very low. You're not going to be able to get an aggro game going with four Temple One drops, one of which is Zombie Chow, which heals your opponent. Like, uh, oh, and, and another one is Mistress, which also heals your opponent. So you're just not going to get an aggro game going uh, for the vast majority of classes. Um, yeah. On top of that, Mana Thirst, which is the new mechanic that's coming in in March of the Lich King. Um, it basically, it's Mana Thirst and a number. Let's say Mana Thirst 8. Mana Thirst 8 means whatever the ability is will only trigger if you have 8 total mana. You don't have to use the mana. So you've seen this before in you know various cards, like the Omega cards were the first version where if you get to 10 mana, something happens. Then we had some class cards where it was like this like two mana, three, two imp. And like if you are if you have five mana, it becomes two, three, two imps. If you have 10 mana, it becomes three, three, two imps. Like we've had cards like these before. Mana Thirst is not really a new mechanic. They just gave it a name here. Um, but what it does is it makes these big swingy turns happen later on. And as you'll see, some of the big mana thirst uh, numbers are at turn 7 and turn 8. Which means uh, that the game is going to get to turn 7 or turn 8. And if it gets to there and then the tempo swings, the game's not going to end until turn 9 or turn 10 at the earliest. So games are going to go on to the late mid-game at least. Um, that's just uh, there's just not enough cards to push aggro to actually do its thing outside of possibly one or two classes again i say this but i have no idea which class is going to be number one because that involves how what their offering rates are which they don't tell you so you know if paladin is number one or if hunter is number one uh, or demon hunter is number one by a long shot yeah maybe it becomes a tempo meta where that class can tempo and everyone else can't and they just die but in any kind of more balanced meta that could come about, whether through after nerfing, uh, like after the patch that adjusts the offering rates, or if it just happens to work out initially, this is not going to be an aggro meta. Aggro is not even, it's just not going to work. This is going to be a swingy late to mid game kind of meta. That's how I'll describe it. Swingy late mid game. And not even that swingy. It's more like someone swings and, and, and the game ends because you don't have enough cards to swing back. Or you at most swing back once. Like I said, the cards suck. There's no good sets coming in. It's just going to be uh, March of the Lich King. So, you know, it's, it's, 
I can't imagine this will be a good meta. I am, uh, we'll see what happens in a couple days, right? But I am not optimistic that this will be a fun meta and definitely not a skillful meta. Just because MLK is so going to dominate over everything else. Okay, before we go on and actually do the card reviews, I have one more thing to say, uh, which is uh, about Murder and Athria, actually. I just want to go back and set the record, you know, once and for all in this next card review, uh, that we got two of the most important neutral cards in uh, Nathria Raw. And we almost never get neutral cards wrong. So I want to call this out because they're very important and the win rate started reflecting it immediately and we waited to like see but like at this point I have rerun some numbers and figured out what went wrong on some of them. One was one of the ways we simplified and calculated things now that we don't have an algorithm was systematically overrating uh, large rush minions. So Stoneborn General which we rated an A coming in is definitely not an A. It should actually be a B after the correct recalc. I added back like more sophistication to the rush calculation. Um, and the other one is Sin Runner, which we rated an A and it should be a B plus. Sin Runner is still very good, but it's not one of those like broken cards that A would really deserve. These are all just math things that we messed up on. Um, so before there were three cards that were rated A in Nathria, which made it seem very scary. Uh, and it turns out it wasn't all that scary at all because one of them was actually a B and one was a B plus. The one that remains an A and is only not scary because we've had like Skullamance Academy in for a long time in the meta uh, is Famish Fool. Famish Fool is still rated an A. That's nothing wrong with that. I don't know why it's not performing like an A on the average player, but I think for good players, and I certainly value it as an A when I draft it still. So that's the prior set, uh, Murder and Nathria. Um, it turned out not to be as busted as we thought it was. Uh, there was also Insatiable Devourer, which we rated a S, and it was pre-banned. So nobody ever saw it do crazy things. But that was the prior set. Just wanted to set the record straight. We don't do this very often because I can't remember the last time we were like this wrong about the top cards, at least. Um, but... Uh, uh, yeah. Okay. Um, I see Ethanovich in chat says Stoneborn Accuser performed like an A. Stoneborn Accuser did not perform like an A. Like, not at all. Stoneborn Accuser performed like a B, not even a B plus. Stoneborn Accuser was just a good card. No, 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 no. Like, if you're looking at the win rates, Stoneborn Accuser is performing like a B. If it's performing like an A... Like, you guys, like, what are A-tier cards? Like, going back, I'm going to list some A-tier cards so you guys, like, have a good sense of what A-tier cards uh, are. Um, like, Unnerfed School Teacher. Gangplank Diver. Mothership. Those are A-tier cards. I went back to Sunken City. <laughs> like, this is... Just because it was one of the best cards in the set doesn't make it an A-tier card. It, it, it's a B tier card. We rated it a B tier card. You know, um, I don't even think it's a B plus tier card. I really think it's just a B tier card. Uh, but uh, but 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 yeah, that's that's not something that we we got we got wrong. 
Um, okay. So that is Murder Anathria. Now we are going to go to the review of the neutral cards for March of the Lich King. Um, again, Death Knights are not going to be reviewed in this card review podcast stream VOD because all the Death Knight cards are in the prior Lightforge podcast slash prior video that we uploaded if you're watching this on YouTube. And that'll have all of the March of the Lich King cards, including Path of Arthas, including the core set, uh, and including March of the Lich King. So go go look at that. Um, the 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 one minute summary of Death Knight is that it is not super powerful. It actually looks pretty well balanced, and it's interesting that you get to pick which path you go. But it's not doing anything crazy. It's not doing anything new. It's just uh, it's just a nice normal class being inserted into Hearthstone. Um, it won't be weak, uh, but it also won't dominate the game uh with cards that will have to be like banned now it may just have a lot of good cards and so it you know may have a very high win rate at first but it's not one of those uh it's not like demon hunter where they have to nerf all the cards that they started with that's not going to happen with death knight all right uh anything else i think that's it I think we've done a good job covering all of this. Uh, one word about the tier list. Uh, not tier list. I guess the... Yeah, it's a, it's a tier list. It's not a numbered tier list. Just a, a little refresher on what the tiers are. C tier is where the normal cards are. They're the good cards. Yeti is at the bottom of the C tier. And everything C tier is like a little bit better than Yeti. Everything D tier is a little bit worse than a Yeti. Croc is... At the edge between D and D plus, Yeti, like we said before, is at the edge between D plus and C. So you can think of D or bad as worse than a Yeti, C or normal as better than a Yeti, B for good as a better than the average card in your deck, um, and then A we call premium. These are cards that we don't think should exist in neutral. They're that good. They should be at least class cards or like epic at least, if not uh, if not legendary for neutrals. And uh, they're very, very powerful. And then we have S cards, which we say are broken. There should just not be S tier cards in the game. Uh, it's just that they're, they're broken. I don't know what else to say about it. They, you play them and you basically win the game. Um, so, so, so no to S tier cards. And recently, because they've gone crazy with the S tier card power levels, we've started giving like S plus. S plus plus S plus plus plus, which I had said I didn't want to do before, but it's just gotten to the point where it's sadly kind of necessary for some of the prior sets. Um, yeah, uh, so we'll see where the March of the Lich King uh, cards settle uh, uh, coming up in the uh, next video. Uh, I want to give a shout out to Murps who cannot be here, uh, unfortunately, as well as to Four uh, P. For their beautiful new baby boy. I don't know if he tweeted a picture. He's kind of weird about sending pictures out. Um, but uh, the, the the baby is is healthy and uh, doing well. And they are they are busy taking care of it. Um, so yeah, so that's that's the first shout out of the night. We'll be giving more shout outs as uh, as the night goes on. All right. See you on the next episode. Bye. Welcome back. This is the Lightforge Podcast. March of the Lich King card review for Arena. Um, 
It's also on YouTube, and we're streaming live on Twitch. This is Adwikta. We are now in the cards. We are now in the actual cards, finally, for March of the Lich King. Remember, this whole entire rotation is going to be March of the Lich King because the other sets are all very, very weak compared to March of the Lich King. Um, I mean, they're not going to be totally irrelevant, especially uh, Stormwind. Uh, but, but, but they're going to be like, like Stormwind is going to have about a quarter of the impact of March of the Lich King at most. That's, that's the difference. Probably less. Maybe like an eighth of the impact of, uh, maybe all the sets put together will have about a quarter to half of the effect of March of the Lich King. So this is it. This is the meta. The number one card in this meta, and I'm going to call it the number one card, even though we actually have... Okay, if you don't count the legendaries, we actually have three cards that we are going to rate at A, plus two more cards that are epic that we're rating at A, and then in the legendaries, we have an A-plus rated card and two A-rated cards, all in legendaries. So there's actually a lot, to, a lot of like good stuff coming in here. And I will spoil this for you right now. There is no S-tier card in neutral. Not in legendaries, not in commons, nowhere. There is no card in March of the Lich King that we say it's so ridiculous you have to like pre-ban. Now, that being said, A-tier cards are cards that we want to see banned. Like we think they're for common and neutral uh, and rare neutrals, we think they're they're just too good and they will ruin the game. Blizzard doesn't ban all of them, but Blizzard does nerf or ban. The vast majority, we're talking more than 75%, probably historically like 85% of cards that we rate in A or above that is common or neutral uh, or rare. Blizzard has either nerfed or banned, historically. Um, or we've corrected ourselves and said that we were wrong. So <laughs> these cards are simple enough that there's no way we're wrong on these. I'm, I'm pretty confident. Now, that being said, these three cards are also all low A's. They are not medium A's even. They are like barely A's. So I can also see Blizzard not banning these. Because if there's any cards that are rated A tier that you would not ban, these cards are kind of it. So we'll see. These are like on the cusp of bannable. And below that, I'll tell you one more thing about March of the Lich King. There are no cards that are rated a B plus. All the B cards are actually mid to low B cards. So there's a nice clear line in March of the Lich King for the neutrals, where these are the super good premium cards, and the rest are the other cards you put into your deck. So the first card, the best card in this set, without further ado, is Silver Moon Sentinel. Silver Moon Sentinel is a common neutral card, 3 mana 2, 5 taunt, mana thirst 8, gain plus 2, plus 2, and divine shield. What Mana Thirst means is once you get to that much mana, the Mana Thirst ability triggers. So basically turn 8. So if you're playing this on turn 3, it is a 2-5 taunt for 3 mana. That's a very good card. That is a very good 3 drop. You're happy to have it in your deck. But if you play it on turn 8 or after, it becomes a 4-7 taunt with Divine Shield. A 4-7 taunt with Divine Shield for 3 mana. This is like corrupted effects without needing to corrupt anything. Like, this is a crazy big effect in Arena. That's 7 taunt defense with a Divine Shield, and the attack is 4, so it's going to kill most things too. This is ridiculously strong. It is an A-tier card. If I were in charge of Blizzard, I would not let this card see the light of day in Arena. 
I would nerf it to be like gain plus one plus one and a divine shield or something. Like even plus one plus one and a divine shield is a very good card. It's probably like a B plus card at that point. Uh, but it would not be an A card. Again, it's a low A card, but it is still an A tier card. And I think this is the best of the three, but we rate them all A, so they're all pretty similar. And they're all low A's. Okay. Silver Moon Sentinel. Remember this card. Draft this card pretty much always. And uh, this is one of the anchors uh, of why I think the meta is going to be a turn 8 meta. This card is common. It will have the offering rate boost. And every single deck will want it. It's a 3-drop. So it will just cause these swings on turn 8. And that means most decks, the vast majority of decks, almost every deck is going to get to turn 8. And what do you do when you play Silver Moon Sentinel? You don't win the game. It doesn't deal face damage. You win the game the next turn. Not even, because this is your swing turn. So maybe you win the game the turn after the next turn. So that's turn 10. So you're going to get a full 10 turns. So this is a late mid-range kind of meta. Alright, Silver Moon Sentinel, number one. Another A-tier card. Another A-tier card. And uh, another Sentinel, uh, sorry, another Silver Moon is Silver Moon Armor. This one is also A-tier. It is a four mana, it's a common card, common neutral, four mana, four, four, rush. Again, four, four rushes are totally good for four mana. As mana thirst seven, gain plus two, plus two. That makes it a 6-6 rush, starting on turn 7 for 4 mana. 6-6 rushes will basically eat the vast majority of stuff that your opponent can put on the board. And then survive. It is a great stat line. 6-6 rushes are one of the best stat lines in the game. And mana thirst 7 makes it come out 1 turn earlier than mana thirst 8. In fact... There's only three turns between Silver Moon Armor at 4 and Silver Moon Armor at 7. If you're looking at Mana Thirst and you're wondering how to value Mana Thirst, the difference of Mana Thirst is not really like what turn the Mana Thirst comes out. That's like the red herring in valuation terms. The math on this is actually how much extra turns would you potentially need to delay this card in your hand. So in this case, with a 4 mana card and Mana Thirst 7, it's only 3. So if you draw this card... Before turn 7, you will at most have to hold this card for 3 extra turns to get the effect. That's the math. It's a mix of how many extra turns you have to hold it, and as part of that is what are the chances that you draw this card before the Mana Thirst turn to begin with. And so Silver Moon Armor not only has great stats, 4 mana 6-6 six, six rush, but it has a very small delta between its... Casting cost at 4, its earliest casting cost, and what Mana Thirst triggers, which is at 7. This is a low A tier card, and uh, this will swing the game. On turn 7, you play this, you play a 3-drop, you end up with like a 6-2, and let's say a 2-5 taunt. Maybe not that one, because you probably want to save that, that one a turn to play it afterwards, but that's huge. That is a huge, huge swing. You've removed your opponent's Yeti. You've put out like a full turn's worth of uh, stats on the board for seven mana. Uh, it's it, and it's neutral. Every class has access to it. So this is Silver Moon Armor, another A tier card. If you're wondering why there's so many A tier cards and if this is similar to what we've seen before, remember that what we said before, Nathria only had one A tier card that wasn't banned, and that's Famish Fool. Um, and yeah. And that was a rare. 
So this is way more powerful than Nathria already. You go back one more, you go to Sunken City, and your A-tier cards, uh, Excavation, uh, sorry, is, uh, you, you don't, basically don't have A-tier cards. Your A-tier cards, oh no, you do, sorry. It's a Gangplank Diver, and then Mothership is an epic, uh, School Teacher is an, oh sorry, Mothership is a rare. That's why it sucked. So yes, yeah, so you have Mothership and Gangplank Diver. But again, that's a rare and a common. These are... These are not, like, we're, we're, we're in a, not a higher power level than the other two sets of the year, but we're in a more seen, more offered of A-tier cards. With three A-tier cards coming in, all at common, I think. Yeah, all at common. That's going to be double the offering rate of a very powerful set like Sunken City. In terms of the ridiculous A-tier cards. Or almost double. Well, no, this one, we have two epic uh, A-tier cards coming in too. So yeah, so it'll be double. Because School Teacher from uh, Sunken City was also A-tier. That was actually A-plus tier. So, uh, what I'm trying to say is the power level's not going up. But the offering rates have doubled. For these superpower cards. Um, so yeah, let's get to the third card of the set. The third common neutral card that is A-tier in March of the Lich King. Uh, this one's probably the least objectionable on its face because we've seen it before. And it is Nerubian Vizier. Nerubian Vizier is a 3-mana 2-4 undead common. Battlecry, discover a spell. If a friendly undead died after your last turn, it costs 2 less. Um, this is... Uh, whether you could trigger the undead or not, this is at least pretty much a panda. Uh, a panda. And Panda's coming back in this meta too. And Panda's a low A tier card. So, there you have it. You know how bad Panda was? This card's like Panda, but it's even better than Panda. And if you are a Death Knight, this is still an A tier card. The Death Knight hero power does allow this to be triggered. The uh, saving two mana does allow that to be triggered uh, much more consistently. But it doesn't move it to A plus or anything. It's just a... It's, it goes from low A tier to mid A tier. Um... But the main power is just the fact that you get to discover a spell. And discovering a spell is really, really, really powerful in this game. So, depending on how much of a problem you have with Panda, and I have always hated Pandas. Like, I think Pandas ruin games. And, uh, um, Pandaren Importer, I mean. Not, like, the other Pandas. Uh, the, the buffed Pandaren Importer, which is also a 3-mana 2-4 battle cry discover a spell. Um, that one is one that you have not drafted, uh, but that was one that you have not drafted. But this one is just any spell. Either way, these cards are not healthy for the meta. Um, they create a lot of randomness, a lot of unpredictability, um, and more importantly, it's just a lot of power. You may not think of it that way. You may not remember that you got a box, that your opponent got a box from the panda or from the vizier. And then later on, the box killed you. You may be like, oh, box is overpowered. But really, what was overpowered was the panda. Alright, so this rounds out the three A-tier cards of this upcoming set. The Rubian Vizier, Silvermoon Sentinel, and Silvermoon Armor. Remember these cards, draft them. They are really, 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 really powerful. And I would not let any of these stay in its current form if I were the balance director at, at Blizzard. They are that powerful from an arena perspective. 
Okay, there are more A-tier cards coming up. We're not done yet. These other ones, though, are not common neutrals, right? Common neutrals get offered at the highest offering rates. The next two are both uh, epics. And epics get offered at about a quarter of the rate of commons. So you're not really going to see these that much. Yeah, they're neutral. They're going to be in every single uh, matchup potentially. But at one quarter of the offering rate of, uh, of uh, the, the other cards that we're talking about. So you may not feel the impact of these. And A-tier epic cards have existed and been deemed okay by Blizzard at a, at a decent rate. Um, so these are less likely to be banned or nerfed but um but they have been before like school teacher got nerfed that was a plus but you get the idea the first card is enchanter enchanter is a three mana three three enemy minions take double damage during your turn enemy minions take double damage during your turn that means no matter what you hit it with it could be a minion, which is most of the time you deal damage. It could be a spell. It could be a weapon. It just doubles the damage. That is an insane amount of extra damage on the board. And that also includes what the enchanter itself is dishing out. So if the enchanter itself on your turn is dishing out three damage at some point, it's actually dishing out six damage. As long as it's hitting a minion. Uh, so, so this is kind of an insane card, and its effect is immediate, and it's persistent. I don't know why it's just, a, it's not just a battle cry. Even if it's just a battle cry, it would be a ridiculous card. Uh, this card is almost an S tier card, almost an A plus tier card, I should say. It's, it's on the high end of what we allow for A. It is a really, really good card. I, I, I don't really know what else to say about this. It's obvious that it is that good, um... You could play it as a 3-drop, by the way. You don't have to save it. Because uh, unless you're playing it into something... Like, if your opponent played a 3-4, don't play this. But if the board is empty, you could play this. Because then, no matter what your opponent plays, you can always just treat this as a 6-3 on the board. Which is a really high tempo play. It uh, It's just really good. Really, really good. So, I see people in chat, it's like, oh, you can't play a turn 3. No, no, no. You... You, you, you can definitely play this in turn 3 most of the time. There are some times you can't play it on turn 3. It's not super consistent. But most of the time, you can play this on turn 3. Next up is the other A-tier card. God, so many A-tier cards. This is going to be a terrible meta. Whenever you have A-tier neutral cards, things just go bad. Okay, this one's epic. 3 mana, 2, 5. After you play a minion, give it plus 1, plus 1, and death rattle. Summon a 1, 1 Hawkstrider. So the card's name is Hawkstrider Rancher. It is a normal 2, 5 minion. It's probably not going to die after you play it on curve because it has 5 health. And your next minion and every minion you play afterwards, as long as this thing is alive, gets a plus 1, plus 1 boost, which is already insane. Remember what this card used to be? This card used to be the Adler for Druid, which was a 3-mana 2-2. Two, two. Like, this was back in the day, right? But that was a 3-mana 2-2 two, two and had the same effect without the Death Rattle summon a 1-1 one, one Hawkstrider effect. This one's a 3-mana 2-5, and you effectively get double the benefit for everything that you summon. Oh, sorry, for everything you play, not summon. Uh, which, you know, has a much bigger effect in Constructed than, uh, than in Arena. This card is just insane. I don't know what else to, to really say about it. 
the only reason why it's not higher than a like you can see what it takes to be an a tier card right like these are these are ridiculous cards uh and the only reason why this isn't higher is because it's kind of capped at what it can do at the end of the day giving plus one plus one a death rattle summon a one one is not the most powerful thing in the world and you're probably not going to get that many of those off so the bonus that it gives is not like that much compared to say the immediate bonus that uh the set gives that's like an immediate plus two plus two and divine shield that you should not have whereas this one you have to like play other minions and then part of the powers and death rattles and each one only gets plus one plus one um uh so th this card's more powerful than the sentinel um because it, it the uh, effect is persistent but it's still just a just an A tier card. It's not like an S tier card or an A plus tier card. Um, okay, that is the two A tier epic cards. Next up are the S tier cards. Uh, sorry, not S tier cards. Sorry, are the legendary cards. The legendary cards are uh there's five of them as usual and three of them are a tiers one is an a plus tier we'll cover that first so the a plus tier card legendary is once i find it uh alistair bloodsworn this is the best neutral card in this set uh, we don't talk about it first because it's legendary you're not gonna see it that often and honestly there's plenty of s tier and above legendary cards not in this rotation, actually, but overall, right, in core set or whatever, there's quite a few. Um, so you're, you're, you're not going to see this as often as you otherwise would if it were like an S tier card. But it is a A-plus tier card. It is a 2-mana two 2-2. Two -two. Battle Cry, add Alistair the Protector to your hand. Mana Thirst 4, deal 2 damage. So starting on turn 4... This thing's a 2-mana two 2-2 two -two that deals 2 damage, which is really good. And that's not counting the fact that it's going to add Alistair the Protector into your, uh, into your hand. Alistair the Protector is a 5-mana five 5-5 five five battle cry. Add Alistair the Flamebringer to your hand. Mana Thirst 7, gain 5 armor. So this is a less good card by itself. You're just gaining 5 armor, 5-mana five 5-5. Five five. But Alistair the Flamebringer, which that one adds into your hand, is an 8-mana 8-8 eight eight battle cry. Deal 8 damage, randomly split between all enemies, which is pretty good. Mana Thirst 10, deal 8 more. Um, Alistair the Flamebringer by itself is not like an insanely good card. I think it comes out to be like a B-plus tier card or something. It's not an A-tier card by itself. Alistair the Protector... It's just kind of a bad card without the drawing the extra card part. And Alistair the Bloodsworn is another like B-plus tier card uh, by itself without the drawing the card part. But when you add them all together and you get three cards, essentially for the price of, uh, for the price of one, that's a lot of card advantage. That's a lot of cards. And that's what pushes it to A-plus. A You're getting all of these added together. You have to pay the mana for all of them. But this is that Pyros effect. Um, this is like super, super Pyros. Now, Pyros was amazing back in the day, right? It broke our entire system. It was the best card by far. Everybody saw Pyros and just like auto-conceded. But um, Pyros is not that amazing these days. I didn't actually math out Pyros again. I probably should. 
But I'm pretty sure Pyros would not be an A-tier card today. I think it might be a B-plus tier card. But this one's an A-plus tier card. This is like Pyros in the modern day. It's not as good as Pyros was back then. Um, but it's still pretty good. And I'm only saying it's not as good as Pyros was back then in the sense that there is better competition. Relative to uh, the other normal cards, this card really is uh, still very good. All right. The other two legendary cards that are rated at A is Lorthamar Theron. Which I need to find. Lorthamar Theron is a 7 mana 7 7. Battle Cry, double the stats of all minions in your deck. Um, it's very good. 7 mana 7 7s are not good to play, but they're not like unplayable on curve. And uh, then every other minion, you, every minion you draw from that point on has insane stats and insane tempo. The downside is that its effect takes a while to really get going. It's not double the stats of all minions in your hand and deck. It only affects the deck. So only starting the next turn do you potentially have something to play. And if you don't draw a minion, then you're out another turn before you can get the power. And you only get the power once per turn unless you have actual card draw. So, like, that's why it's not an insane S-tier card. Because you could look at it and be like, oh my god, I just win the game. Like, yeah, you do just win the game. But, but you're kind of behind a little bit after you play it. You're not even really going to catch up for a couple of turns. Like, you'll eventually win the game. But eventually winning the game uh, puts you at a vulnerable state in the middle. And it's still A-tier, right? It's still a really, really good card. It's just not an S-tier card. Finally, Invincible is the other A-tier legendary. It is a 8-mana 5-5 five, five undead beast, a double tag. Now we are allowed to have double tags. Uh, it has Reborn, so it's a 5-5 five, five Reborn. It also has Battle Cry and Death Rattle. Give a random friendly undead plus 5 plus 5 and Taunt. This card has an insane amount of stats. The only problem, the very obvious problem that this card has, is that you do need another undead. You actually, if they keep killing the other undead, you actually potentially need up to like three other undeads. And if you don't have the other undead already on the board, your opponent could just like kill it the first time at least or whatever before you get an undead out and that ability doesn't do anything. So this is an absurd card if you can get it to work. It is an S-tier card if you can get it to work. You just win the game. But getting it to work, that's hardly a guarantee, right? Especially getting the whole thing to work. Getting the whole thing to work is actually going to be very hard, even if you have a pretty good undead deck. Um, so that's what's kind of holding it back. But it just has so... It just has so much, like, so much stats attached to it. Um, so, I don't know. The A-tier rating for this is kind of worthless, if you have an undead deck, this is going to be worth more than A tier. If you don't have an undead heavy deck, this is going to be worth significantly less than A tier. Like, use your judgment, right? This is the, the rating that I would not put any value in. Not that it's wrong. It's, it's right. It's just not useful unless this is your, like... Unless you have a totally average undead deck and this is pick number 15, right? 
Um, if this was like late in the deck, you know exactly how much this is worth. If this is early on, it's actually worth more than an A tier card because then you can just go and pick all the undeads. Uh, someone mentioned uh, Death Knight. This is not actually a great card for uh, for for Death Knight because the Death Knight minions kill itself at the end of the turn, and like yeah, uh, plus five plus five is still nice. I guess the health doesn't matter because it kills itself at the end of the turn. So I guess plus five attack is still nice, but you can see how it's not the same as say you just playing an undead minion and actually buffing at five five and taunt. Uh, so, the Death Knight doesn't really, like, elevate this card. It gives you another option. It does make this card better, but not, like, that much better. Okay, um, that's it for, uh, for this part of the, the review. These are the, these are the top cards. These are the cards that are going to define the meta. The other sets are certainly not defining the meta, and um, these cards are super powerful. We were talking about the most powerful card, neutral card, in the game that is not uh, in this set. And the most powerful cards are one, Panda, which is rated a low A, and two, Unnerf Bone Mare, which is a B plus. Those are kind of your only competition. Um, in Stormwind, uh, sorry, yeah, in United and Stormwind, there is a B-plus card that is Traveling Merchant that that also exists in Neutral. And Traveling Merchant is really, really good too. But those are B-plus cards. The A-tier cards are just very limited. And so this is what you've got. And these are going to be the impactful cards. And these cards have offering bonuses. And three of these, uh, the two Sentinels and the Nerubian Vizier, uh, both have uh, are, are both have offering bonuses um, and are commons. So this is the game. The rest of the card review is going to be interesting. There's going to be some interesting cards. Uh, some combo-y stuff is happening with some of the classes. Some of the cards are uh, just like nice building block cards. Uh, there's a lot of C's and C pluses in this set. Not a lot of B's actually. But at the end of the day. If you want to know how to win in the upcoming meta, these are the three cards you need to learn how to play, you need to learn how to anticipate, and you need to learn how to, I don't know, just deal with and use. Because they're going to define who wins and, lose games, and loses games a hugely disproportionate amount of times. And that doesn't make for a very exciting meta, but it does make for a very focused meta. Like, what are you trying to deal with? You are trying to deal with your opponent's Silver Moon Sentinel on turn 8. You will deal with that a lot. You should always be prepared for it unless you're super desperate and you're like, well, if he has a Sentinel, I lose. Like, fine. Um, but otherwise, you should definitely think about it and you should play around it. Like, these cards are so good and so commonly seen, you should always play around these to the extent possible. I mean, it's just a minion with a taunt, right? There's only so much you can play around. But, like, hold your hard removals, right? Like, you got to get through the Silver Moon Sentinel, probably. Um, and before turn 7... Like, think twice about playing, like, a 4-6. That's not a good time to play a 4-6. Actually, with Silver Moon Armor around, it's probably never a good time to play a 4-6. Uh, but, you know, consider it. Like, just consider that these are things that they can do and then tempo out in more unique ways. Because the power of these cards 
isn't that oh on turn eight i'm not expecting to be able to get a four seven taunt with divine shield no you you're expected to get it you're just not expected to get that and five more mana right you're not expected to get silver moon armor and three more mana on turn four i mean on turn seven if you just get a 6-6 six, six rush on turn 7, who cares? That's very normal in, uh, in, in this meta. That's just like what your opponent does. So the power of these cards is that when the Mana Thirst triggers, you will be able to have this tempo swing for whoever's playing these cards. So if you're trying to guard against that, you need to be able to, one, efficiently remove the body. And that mostly applies to Silvermoon Sentinel. Uh, not really silver moon armor, which is going to have a pretty small body anyway left over. And two, you need to be able to not lose to tempo immediately. If you're ever in a position where if your opponent gains five tempo on you and you're just in a very tough spot, and I know as I say this, you're probably like, I lose five tempo all the time and I recover, right? Like, come on, this is 2022. Uh, not anymore. Like, these are bad sets coming in. Or I guess even in the current meta, it's pretty it's pretty old school, right? You, we've actually played a bunch of old school metas where it's actually kind of hard to gain 5 tempo. Uh, it's going to get harder, even, to gain 5 tempo without using these cards. So if you don't have one of these cards, that 5 tempo may be kind of elusive. That 5 tempo may be game-breaking. So you have to really prepare to be 5 tempo ahead. Like, 5 tempo ahead is even. Unless you have one of these cards in your hand or like the class card or whatever that you can swing back. That's how the game is going to go in this upcoming expansion and in this upcoming meta. So uh, just be prepared. Don't lose to that swing. Be prepared for the swing. Swing yourself, but be prepared for the swing. It's going to be a very defensive kind of mindset for good players. Because these are not like hard cards to use. I guess people could mess up and either hold them too long or play them too early or whatever. But at the end of the day, they're pretty basic once they get on the board. And you, your opponent just has extra mana to do stuff with. So you want to make sure you don't swing and lose. Like, why are swings so bad, right? Why do we always talk about swings in a negative kind of way? It's because when swings happen, like, a good if there are no swings, a good player will always win. Like, 100% of the time. With no RNG, no swings. And RNG is bad because it causes swings too, right? But if you have a maximally swingy game, the good player wins just as much. No more than the bad player. If the game is maximally swingy. Like turn 1 is 1 mana, turn 2 is 10 mana, turn 3 is 30 mana. It's a coin flip who wins. So when the swings are focused on these particular cards, as a good player, you're not on even ground with a bad player. Even if you have the same cards and the same type of decks. You are at a disadvantage. So you have to play either very defensively, or either fairly defensively, or extremely aggressively. And we've already covered why being aggressive is is not very supported in this meta coming up. With a very low amount of uh, one-drops and abilities to finish people. So, you gotta tempo out a lot if you're being aggressive. And kind of be pushing. And as you'll see, there's a pretty punishing anti-tempo card uh, in neutral that's coming as well. Um, but, uh, or probably the, the easier way and the more commonly seen way you'll see good players play is to just play around these cards as much as possible. All considerations should be made that if you can save a card or if you can set up a board in the way that when these cards come out on curve on the mana thirst turn, you are not screwed. 
then you have eliminated their ability to do the swings. These swings are big, but they're also predictable. And so as a good player, you got to use that. Because the swings certainly aren't going to help you. Okay. I will see you in the next episode when we cover all the rest of the common cards. Um, That's going to be a long one. We spend a lot of time on just a few cards, but these are the important ones. The other ones, like I said, not even a B-plus card left. It's just Bs and then C-pluses and Cs and then some D-pluses, Ds. And uh, one F-plus card and one F card. Um, I want to give a shout-out to uh, David Attenborough Says. David Attenborough Says, who is uh, our YouTube manager, going to put these up on uh, on YouTube. So if you're watching the YouTubes, this is... uh, uh, hopefully um, this this gets up. I don't know when it's actually going to be on on YouTube. There's a lot to like upload and get through, um, but it should be by Tuesday at like noon, the absolute latest, um, like ahead of the launch of the actual game, so that you can so you can watch these while you're playing or whatever, or right before you're playing to get hyped. Anyway, we'll see you in the next. Uh, segment that covers the rest of the neutrals. Until then, this is Adwikta. Welcome back to the Lightforge Podcast card review, arena card review for March of the Lich King. Yes, we have done the top neutrals, the ones that have actual impact, and now we're going to go over all the cards that don't matter. Um, that's, that's not true. Uh, the cards are going to matter because, uh, I don't know. Okay, so what's going to happen here is that March of the Lich King had some A-tier cards, more so double the offering rate-wise of even Sunken City. But then it has no B-plus tier cards, and there's only a few B-tier cards, really. And after that's a bunch of C-tier cards. And if you look at the past sets, really the past sets have a lot of cards that are around C-tier. So this is really just going to kind of like blur into the other sets, um, especially uh, Stormwind. Stormwind has a lot of B-tier uh, cards. Stormwind did not have A-tier cards, but had a lot of B-tier cards. Uh, so you're going to get a little bit of blurriness. So these cards are, you're going to see them a lot. They have high offering rates, they're draftable, but they're not going to really impact the game in anywhere near the same way as the previous cards we talked about. So let's look at the first card in this category. Remember, it's B-tier. B-tier means above average in your deck. Um, So yeah, you want these cards. You want to draft them. You're not like jumping with joy when you get them, but like they're fine in your deck. You're happy with them. You're not just like accepting them. Like they're not your bottom half of your deck. They're your top half of the deck. So the first one is Umbral Geist. Two mana, three, one undead, common neutral. Death Rattle, add a random shadow spell to your hand. Uh, yeah, I mean, random shadow spells are pretty good. It's an extra card, spells are good. Uh, it's on Death Rattle, which is not as good as Battle Cry, but, you know, we've seen cards like this before. We know what they are. They're B-tier cards. They're good. Not much to say here. Next up, we have Vecarul Necrolite. Vecral Necrolite is a 2-mana two 2-2 two, two undead. Uh, common, again. Battlecry, give a friendly minion death rattle. Summon a 2-2 two, two zombie with rush. Okay, so you have to have a friendly minion. And then you buff it 
but the buff doesn't do anything unless it dies, and then you get a 2-2 zombie with rush. So eventually, as long as you can have a target, you will get like 4-4's four worth of stats for 2 mana, which is good. But this is not a 2-drop, which is very bad for a 2-mana minion. Very, very bad. So you have these conflicting things in this card. Um, and ultimately, it's, it's about like where a Dark Iron Dwarf would be. And a Dark Iron Dwarf is about a beat. Uh, it, uh, it's, you know, a, a little bit worse than a Dark Iron Dwarf even. Um, mostly because Dark Iron Dwarf is at least a semi-functional 2-drop, and this one is, like, not really a semi-functional 2-drop. Uh, sorry, a semi-functional 4-drop, and this one's not a semi-functional 2-drop. Your chances of having something to buff on turn 4, uh, is also a lot higher than on turn 2. Uh, but, um, yeah, like, it's, it's a card. There's really not much to say about it. It does generate two undeads, so it's two undead bodies, which is useful for some of the synergies. It's a B-tier card. You're going to use it. You're going to see it around. It doesn't have a... It, it, it makes the game a little more thinky, especially when they put it on something or you put it on something and it doesn't die immediately because now you always have to think, and I hate this. I, I'm going to hate this card, by the way. Like, just playing with it and against it because now you have to keep track of the fact that your opponent can always pop their minion or you can pop the minion and then get two more damage on the next turn. And it's this extra thing that you have to keep track of every time on the board. So yeah, it does increase your board math skill and whatever. Um, it's, you know, it's a skillful thing. It's not like a, a anti-good player thing. It's a pro-good player thing. But it's just very annoying to me. I don't know. Next up, another B-tier card is Amber Whelp. Uh, so, so the Bone Dragon is in. Uh, the uh, six mana, six five dragon that gives you a dragon. That's back. There's not a lot of other dragons coming in, and honestly, um, this was not mapped out with this uh, rotation in mind. This was just kind of mapped out generally. In a high dragon meta, this card's going to be way better. In a low dragon meta, um, this one's like a little on the low side, but it's not super low. It's like lower than average. This one may be a little lower than a B. Um, but it's coming out at a pretty high B, so I think even if it's a little lower than a B, it's still going to be in the B tier. I don't think it even slips to C plus tier in this meta. Maybe it does. We'll see how what the dragon offering rates are. Uh, but this is Amber Whelp. It's a 3 mana 3-3 three, three dragon. Battlecry for holding a dragon, deal 3 damage. We've seen this before. It used to say deal 2 damage on an older card. Now you're dealing 3 damage. Uh, but as you can see, right, it's just a, a B tier card. So this power creep... Like, when I first saw this card, I was like, oh my god, this is terrible. And it is terrible from a gameplay perspective, because in a dragon meta, this card becomes insane and is super terrible. But generally, if you're not in a dragon meta, if you're in a normal meta with some dragons, this is kind of the power level these days that you should expect from cards. Alright, so next B-tier card is going to be a rare. And I know this is a card, we've talked about this... Everyone's talked about this. It's one of the most important cards coming in in this meta, even though it is not an A-tier card. And it is only a B-tier card. It's not even just only a B-tier card. It's actually a low B-tier card. This card is surprisingly not that good. Uh, I mean, it's, you know, better than the average card in your deck slightly. But this is Street Sweeper. 4 mana, 2-2, two, two, Battlecry, deal 2 damage to all other minions. Okay, it's not a rare card. It is a common card. My bad. Uh... So you have a neutral, common, 2 damage, double-sided AoE now in the game. It has an offering rate bonus. 
it is a B tier card. Even if it's a low B tier card, everyone's going to draft it a lot. This is game changing. This is flat out game changing in terms of what you should expect. And it is super, super tough on aggro. Like this card, and remember, we talked about it before, aggro is already going to do real bad in this meta because there's not enough one drops and you know one of the best cards in the game is a freaking giant ridiculous taunt. Uh, that's coming in. It's an A tier card. Like, and it's a, a, a turn three taunt too. Like, it's just, it's just a terrible time to try to be aggressive. Well, in case you wanted to try it, still, Street Sweeper is here to be a slightly above average in your deck card that is kind of just designed to destroy aggression. Um, for such an impactful card, why is it not rated higher? Like, I keep emphasizing it's the low B tier card. Because I'm trying to also emphasize that you shouldn't draft this that high. Like, I know people who look at this card and they're like, I'm going to draft it like an A-tier card. Because this is what will protect me against all those aggro decks. There's not going to be that many aggro decks, if at all. Um, and on top of that, this card's stats are just not that good. Volcanic Potion, if it existed, would barely be a C card. It, it might be a D+. I think it's still a C, but it's pretty close to a D+. And this is Volcanic Potion for one extra mana, which means it's one turn delayed, which is pretty big. And you get a 2-2. Two -two. Is 2-2 two -two good for one extra mana? Yes, yes, it is good for one extra mana. That's why this is a B, like a very low B card instead of a very low C card. But it's not that much better. You know, that delay of one extra turn for being able to Volcanic Potion, that really matters if you get the card that early. Um... Now, Volcanic Potion is Mage only. This is uh, neutral. Uh, so, it's just kind of like... If they were going to do this in this meta, it's a well-designed card, power-wise. Uh, I just hate what it does to the meta. This is a, it's, it's a very specific ability to give to every single class in the game at an increased offering rate for a neutral common. Alright. Uh, one last B-tier card, and that is a Epic card. This one's weird. It's actually quite straightforward, but it's... I mean, okay, it's not straightforward. It's plain... The way you play it is very straightforward. But it's very complicated and wordy. So, stay with me. Crystal Broker is an Epic Neutral card. 3 mana, 3-2. You will never play this as a 3 mana, 3-2. It has Mana Thirst 5. Summon a random three-cost minion. So the earliest you play this is when you have five mana. And at that point, you can spend three mana and get a three-two and a random three-cost minion. Which is absurdly good. Uh, now, on top of that, it also has mana thirst ten. Which summons an eight-cost minion instead. Now, it summons this... I realize I did a math problem wrong. I did a math problem wrong. This one is going to be a B+. I'm just going to make this one a B+. It is not an A. This one's a B+. I forgot to add the two extra mana back in when I switched it over to, uh, to, do, uh, to, to be five mana. Because I had it done as a three mana card, and then I'm like, why am I doing this as a three mana card? You will never ever play this as a three mana, like as a, a, a three mana turn three card. Uh, so I switched it to five mana. Um, it's mana thirst five as the base, and I gave it two extra mana. Except I never gave it two extra mana. So it's just missing two mana. So it's going to come out 
to be a uh, B plus actually here. Um, anyway, mana thirst 10 is summon an eight cost minion instead. So if this is 10 mana, it is a three mana, eight cost random minion with a three, two attached to it, which is really good in a lot of stats, but that's 10 mana. You got to wait a lot for it. Okay. There's not much to say about this. Um, don't wait too long for it. It's totally fine to play after turn five. Uh, what's a random three cost minion? Probably like a three three, maybe a four three, maybe a three four with a three two. That is worth way more than three mana. That is worth like honestly like four and a half mana probably. Uh, so just get the advantage there. You don't want to be holding this card for five more turns just to get the extra advantage. Like use this card now. If this card comes into your hand on turn eight, definitely on turn nine, yeah, you'll wait a little bit extra, right? And if you top deck this card way later, it gets the extra anyway, so you're you're set. Uh, so it is uh, it's a good card. Um, so yeah, okay, fine. We'll make the, this is a, this is a B plus. I, I, like as I'm looking at it and as I'm explaining it, I'm like, why did I not add two extra mana? Um, okay, so those are the B tier cards. They're just like you see, we're going a little quickly through these because uh, they're kind of simple. Um, the neutral cards in, in this set may have a lot of words attached to it, but ultimately they don't do anything new. You guys know what to do with these cards already. Uh, there's one more card that is a B-tier card, but it is a B-tier and it's special because it is only a B-tier card for Death Knight. For every other class, it is a C-plus tier card. So I'm going to use this to bridge our way into C-plus. Uh, this is Boneflinger. It is a neutral common, 2 mana, 2, 3, undead. Battle cry. if a friendly undead died your last turn, deal 2 damage. After your last turn, deal 2 damage. So this is the normal undead mechanic. The normal undead mechanic is if a friendly undead died after your last turn. So from the end of your last turn goes your opponent's turn. Your opponent can kill one of your undead minions and it counts. Or it's your turn again, and then if you kill an undead minion on this turn, it also counts. As long as you do it before you play the Bone Flare or whatever other card with this kind of synergy. Um, it's a, kind of a convoluted way to shuffle around a normal synergy, but they wanted to make it flavorful with the, you know, dying, popping back to life immediately kind of thing. So this one's Bone Flinger. There's a picture of a zombie skeleton thing that's holding its arm and it's going to fling its arm to deal two damage. So if a friendly undead died after your last turn, this guy basically picks up its arm and like throws it for two damage. Uh-huh. Uh, with Death Knight, you can guarantee the trigger by using your hero power uh, on this turn. Um, so then it becomes a four mana, deal one damage to your opponent's face, deal two damage to something, and a two, three. It's not like the best thing, but it's a, it's a good option, right? It's a good extra option to have, and that pushes it over the edge. It was already a high uh, C+, plus, um, because you could have regular undeads. All right, so that's, uh, that's Boneflinger. Um, so another word about the undead synergies because of the offering bonus and the fact that a lot of the neutral cards and just regular cards in March of the Lich King is just going to be flat out better or around the same as the older sets. Like they're going to be flat out better than the older sets and uh, they're going to be about the same as like Stormwind. Uh, you're going to end up picking a bunch of undead. So even though there's not that many undead that's being added to the pool, they're going to be they're going to have offer rank boosts and you're going to want to pick enough of them that the undead synergies they're going to be semi-consistent for every single class 
Um, this is not one of those synergies that you like rarely see. This is like like a beast synergy for uh, for hunters in, in a normal setting or something. Like you're gonna be able to use them. Um, you're not gonna be able to like get them all the time, super consistently. But you, you guys see the undead cards, right? Plenty of the good cards are, are undead cards. Okay, now let's go on to the C plus. C plus means barely worse than the average card in your deck. Like they're still very good. Uh, and we went over Bone Flinger. Let's talk about the next one, Infected Peasant. The Infected Peasant is a two mana, two one, with a death rattle. Summon a two two undead peasant. Whenever your main body and your death rattle has the same attack, you effectively just have like a divine shield effect, right? So this might as well be a two two with a divine shield. Uh, for for two mana um and those are good that's a c plus this is like a shield of minibot shield of minibot is a c plus these days next up dracari embalmer dracari embalmer is a three mana three four undead battle cry give a friendly undead reborn Again, you're going to have some undeads. You guys see a bunch of undeads. We've just been going over a whole bunch of undeads. Uh, they're not like the best cards to be reborn, but they do work. And uh, Drakari and Bomber is going to be able to do that. And later on, you may hit one of the big ones and, uh, you know, really, really get it to work. Uh, reborn obviously synergizes with Death Rattles. So even uh, something like the card we were talking about before, the Infected Peasant, you know, maybe reborning a 2-1 is not your idea of the best value for reborn. But you also get another 2-2 after that if you reborn this. So it's, uh, it can get some value. Otherwise, it's a 3 mana 3-4 undead. Like, totally good on curve 3 drop. Sun Fury Clergy is what is next. Sun Fury Clergy, which I cannot find. Why can I not find? There we go. Sun Fury Clergy, another common neutral. Three mana, two, four. Battle Cry, restore three health to all friendly characters. Mana Thirst, six, restore six health instead. So this is like Earthen Ring Farseer, except it does it to everything friendly rather than just one target. Uh, that being said, I don't know how many times you had an Earthen Ring Farseer, and you're like, I wish it could heal multiple targets. Rarely happens. Um, Manather 6 makes it heal 6 instead of 3. Uh, that makes it a bit better, um, but it's not something so good you would ever want to actually, like, wait for. And, uh, it's a C plus overall, which is pretty good. Um, for, uh, for a heal card. After that, we have our last C-plus card, which is uh, Infectious Ghoul. Infectious Ghoul is one of the most interesting cards and one of the first cards they revealed. Uh, it's a rare card. It is a 5-mana five 5-4 five, undead. Death Rattle. Give a random friendly minion. Death Rattle. Summon an Infectious Ghoul. So this has the potential to be a never-ending chain of Infectious Ghouls. If you even get one more infectious ghoul out of it you have gotten way more value than what a five drop will be worth but it's on a death rattle which means you can't guarantee it to trigger you play this card and your opponent gets the first shot 
to kill this if you don't have another random friendly minion, or to kill another friendly minion and make sure this one can't die. Or your opponent can just do a lot of things to make sure this death rattle never triggers. Um, now, they have to do all those things, and that in itself is a value. But if they can make it so the death rattle never triggers, you just play a 5 mana 5-4, and that really, really sucks. Huge swing card one way or the other. Um, it's obviously better for better players because they're more likely to have a board, but the swing is also huge, which is not good for better players. Uh, but overall, it's, uh, it's a very interesting card that is, like, pretty good. I'm, I'm thankful that it is now more powerful in the arena. Because if it is more powerful in the arena... It's not... Like, you don't want to win by Infectious Ghoul, right? Like, I don't know that you would feel too good. Like, the game gets very samey if Infectious Ghoul wins a significant amount of games. So, one, I'm glad it's rare and not common. I wish it were epic. It feels like an epic card. Uh, and two, I'm glad it's not more powerful. Okay, that's it for the C-plus cards. We are now moving on to the C-tier cards. C-tier cards are better than a Yeti. That's how I define them. Better than a Yeti. They could be somewhat better, but they're not They're not coming close to the average card in your deck. Right? There's a gap between Yeti and average card in deck. And uh, C-tier is most of that gap. C-plus tier is the part that's right on the edge of being the average card in your deck. So Incorporal Corporal is our first card here. It is a 2-mana 5-5 five, five undead. Whoa, that seems really good. Except after this minion attacks, destroy it. So, it's like a delayed 5 damage. Your opponent does have the choice to kill it beforehand, but they would have to spend a lot more resources on it than, uh, than if you just do it. But a delayed 2 mana 5 damage is not that bad. <laughs> like, uh, you, you do get to control where it goes. It's not like Snipe, where your opponent controls where it goes. You get to control what this one hits. You can also not attack with it if you don't have a good target. Um... Yeah, it's, uh, I like this card. I think it's a design that hasn't been explored as much, and it's a uh, pretty common card game design, and they're finally, like, kind of putting this in. Um, it makes for interesting decisions to be made, and is a pretty high skill card for both sides. Okay, next up we have... Wait, what? I messed up. What did I tell you guys Vecral Necrolite is? I, I, did I tell you guys Vecral Necrolite was a B? Vecral Necrolite? I messed up on this. Vecral Necrolite, this is what happens when there's no Merp saying like, Hey, what are you doing? Because I have it written here, like in, in the chart. Vecral Necrolite is a C. It is not a B. That is why we're comparing it to Dark Iron Dwarf and finding it lower than Dark Iron Dwarf. I was like, wow, Dark Iron Dwarf is a B? Dark Iron Dwarf is either a very low B or a C plus. And Vecral Necrolite is a C. So we've already talked about Vecral Necrolite. That's the 2 mana 2-2 two, two undead. Battlecry give a friendly minion death rattle. Summon a 2-2 two, two zombie with rush. This is a C, not a B. Did I miss a card? Okay. The B tier card that I did not talk about, 
that I mixed up with. Here's the actual B-tier card. The actual B-tier card is Bloodied Knight. Okay, so let's talk... Okay, so because I messed this up, we're gonna... We're back in the B-tier now. We're back in better than the average card in your deck a little. And this is Bloody Knight. Bloody Knight is a 3-mana 4-5. At the end of your turn, deal 2 damage to your hero. So it's a Yeti for 3-mana, and it keeps dealing 2 damage to you each time. Dealing damage to you for early game tempo is good. This one is a B. That's just what it comes out as. It should be pretty uncontroversial. Alright, sorry I messed that up, guys. Um, but Vecral Necrolite is a C. Not even a C+, but a C. Okay, next C is Brittle Skin Zombie. Brittle Skin Zombie is a 3-mana 4-3 undead. Death Rattle, if it's your opponent's turn, deal 3 damage to them. I mean, it's a 3-mana 4-3. The 3 damage to your opponent's face doesn't really matter that much. It's attached to a Death Rattle. I think there was like a card that was like this before from Priest or whatever. But uh, yeah, it's a C. A normal 3-mana 4-3 would be like... A very, very low C. And this one is like a slightly less low C. It's, it's whatever. Uh, next up is Shatter Skin Gargoyle. If I can find it. Shatter Skin Gargoyle. Oh, it is a 6-mana card. That's why I couldn't find it for a while. Shatterskin Gargoyle is a 6-mana 4-6 taunt. It is undead. Death Rattle deal 4 damage to a random enemy. Uh, I mean, the 4 damage to a random enemy, I hate these kind of card designs because it's not random enemy minion. It's just a random enemy. It could hit the face. You don't know what's happening with it. Like, it's still a decent amount of damage. Your opponent could make it so that it deals face because they've run out of minions, but they're not in full control of that. A 4-6 taunt should be like 5 mana. I don't. I think a 4-6 taunt for 5 mana would get a C. Uh, this is for, for 6 mana, so it's, it's, it's you know, not, not as good. But then dealing 4 damage, even on a death rattle, is just kind of worth the extra mana. I hate this card, uh, but it exists, and it's draftable. Like, it's a little better than a Yeti. Next up is Coroner. We are now onto the rare cards. We're still in the C category. Coroner is a two mana two two battle cry, freeze an enemy minion. Uh, mana thirst six, silence it first. So silencing it first works as a silence, and then you get a bonus freeze attached to it. Um, it does stuff. You can silence a whole bunch of stuff. You can silence the taunt and then freezing it basically puts it out of commission for another turn and you go forward. You can silence a death rattle so that, you know, uh, you just silence it so it doesn't trigger or an ability. Uh, two mana, two twos are just not good though. Like it's, it's, it doesn't do enough for it to be better, uh, than, than a C, but it's a very usable card. Like this is just kind of well balanced for the arena. And the Mana Thirst 6, I remember I talked about how Mana Thirst value is very attached to the Delta between the Mana cost and the Mana Thirst cost. 4 is, is a decent amount. 
especially for a two mana two two, to not be able to play it, not just on two, but as a filler card on four or five. And even when you get to six, you're kind of looking for a target. Like there's a lot of waiting around for this card, and it doesn't do that much after you wait around for it for a while. Um, totally fine card to have in your deck. Uh, you know, better than a Yeti, but not spectacular. All right, that is the coroner. Next up is a tenacious sandlan. If I can find it, tenacious sandlan, sandlane, sandlane, tenacious sandlane. It's a five mana, four six life steal. Whenever this attacks, deal two damage to the enemy hero. It's a 5-mana 4-6, which is bad, but then it has Lifesteal, which makes up for it, and then it also deals some extra face damage, like it's a C. There's nothing much to say about it. Translocation Instructor is next. This one's another rare card. It is also a C. 5-mana 4-4. Battlecry. Choose an enemy minion. Swap it with a random one in their deck. Whoa! Here's where half of you... Are gonna be like, I looked at you, lost your mind. You lost your mind. You have not only a neutral hard removal here, but one that basically sight like it transforms the minion, right? It like it polymorphs the minion. And it's only a C? It's only slightly better than a Yeti? No way. You're crazy. Well, think about how this card actually works. It's a five mana four four. And then you're getting rid of a minion, presumably a pretty big minion, and you're swapping with a random one in your opponent's deck, which is presumably a mid-sized minion, let's say a 4-4. So you do something like an 8-8 to a 4-4. That's all you've done. And you may have silenced something, if it has a death rattle or something, but for the most part, we know what polymorphs get used on. Just big things, with no death rattles. Like, it, it, it's valuable, it's more valuable than an assassinate, but not that much more valuable. And most importantly, most importantly, is not even that there's not that much of a stat difference between all of this. Most importantly, is that it's a freaking random enemy minion. Do you know how much random swing you are just introducing into the game with this card? This card is terrible for good players. It can lose you the game. It could also win you the game... Normal cards will also win you the game if you're a good player. And remember, we're in an er er era right now where apparently these are just like wild rotations with like not super ridiculous cards except for a few that is in the set. So, do you want a translocation instructor that set? No, yes. Yes, that is an excellent, excellent target. But if it pops out like your opponent's six mana card, you haven't gained that much. And you spent 5 mana doing a weird transformation and only gotten a 4-4 four, four out of it and a little bit of a nerf onto the, the minion. Like, if it said, choose an enemy minion, replace it with a 4-4, four, four, this card would be way better. But that RNG of potentially replacing it with another big minion so that it does nothing... Or potentially replacing it with a taunt that totally screws you over somehow. Or who knows what the hell could happen with it. That's a pretty big risk for a good player to take. 
Alright. So that's Translocation Instructor. Don't fall for it. Like, it's not a bad card. I take it over a Yeti. But do not highly prioritize this card. Maybe if your entire deck and or class has no hard removals. Like, I don't know. You're a druid or something. Like, you could be like, okay, I kind of needed to fill a very specific function. But it's just not that good of a card. And it's an even worse card for a good player. Alright, another C-tier card is Sanctum Bellbinder. This one's epic, I think. Yeah, this one's epic. It's a 4 mana 3-6. Uh, whenever your opponent targets another minion with a spell, redirect it to this. It helps you protect a minion, maybe, but only from spells that target a specific minion. It's worth something, the ability, but it's not a really insanely good ability or anything. Um, so it's a C. A 4 mana 3-6 by itself would be a very low C. It would be a Yeti, basically, right? So this ability isn't doing that much. It's better than a Yeti, but not by much. And another C-tier card is a Legendary, the Sunwell. The Sunwell is a 9 mana holy spell that says fill your hand with random spells. Cost 1 less for each other card in your hand. So for each thing that you don't get a spell for, you, you this uh, spell costs 1 mana less. So you're getting something. You're either getting 1 mana less for the spell or you're getting a random spell in your hand. Obviously you'd rather have a random spell. Uh, this one's a C. 9 mana is a lot of mana. Um, even if it's lower... That draw is, uh, it, it's a hefty draw, but you're still going to use a lot of mana to do the draw. This ends up being something like a sprint, only instead of drawing cards from your deck, you draw random spells. Remember, they're not discover spells, they're just random spells. Uh, on the bright side, you're drawing a lot of them, so the bad random spells you probably never have to use. You could just use the good ones, but that's a lot of randomness. And uh, you're not drawing, you're, like, you're drawing a lot of cards, but you're spending a lot of mana. Right? Or you're not drawing a lot of cards, or you're not spending a lot of mana. It just the random spells are not as good as you think they are. You know what random spells are. We have we've had plenty of mage cards that like generate random spells, and mage is one of those classes with generally better spells. Um, and they like kind of do work, but but also kind of not. And this is that sprint effect, right? Like you play it. And you don't do anything else that turn. Like, maybe you get to do one more thing. You also don't get to actually control how many spells you draw. It's based on the number of cards in your hand. So, I mean, sorry. Yeah, you don't control the mana cost of this. It's based on the number of cards in your hand. So if you get it, like, later on, you're just going to have to skip a turn and get a bunch of cards. If you get it earlier, you could have a choice um, of, like, you know, slowing down and getting a couple more cards. Um, or 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 not or like try to play a few more cards so you can get more cards and spend more mana. So there's a lot of choice built in, um, but at the end of the day, it's still just random spells, still a huge risk, still skipping like most of a turn. All right, next we're gonna go over two cards that are C tier in Death Knight and D plus tier in not Death Knight. These are going to be some of your uh, undead synergies. The first one is Arms Dealer. Arms Dealer is better than a Yeti for Death Knight, a little worse than a Yeti for non-Death Knights. It is a 1 mana 1-2 undead. After you summon an undead, give it plus 1 attack. 
Obviously, if you're a Death Knight, it makes your hero power be a 2-1 charge instead of a 1-1 charge. Um, so that's worth a significant amount. Uh, and it's an evergreen ability, so with you can do it every single turn if you're a Death Knight and this thing doesn't die. Makes it pretty good. Uh, but even if you're not a Death Knight, every undead you summon gets plus one attack. There's a lot of undeads. And it's summon. Not a... Not a play. So all the reborns will work for this as well. Next one is Banshee. Another one mana card. One mana, two, one. Undead. Death Rattle. Give a random friendly undead plus two, plus one. You need an undead for this to be any good. Um, so, you know, good luck getting the undead. The problem with this uh, and Death Knight is that you can't really like play it on the same turn. You have to play this, it has to live, and then you have to use your Death Knight hero power. And then the health doesn't really matter because it would die at the end of the turn and it just becomes deal 3 damage instead of deal 1. So it's just kind of situational, but this card is just kind of situational like to begin with. Um, but if it does trigger, it's really powerful. So you're just kind of weighing how often you can get this card to, uh, to trigger. And like I said, there's a decent amount of undeads that you're going to draft. So you're just going to have death, uh, like undeads hanging around. Um, if you play it as a, a one-drop and your opponent has a ping, you're just forcing your opponent to ping, which is still something, right? Because that's the same thing even if this was like a 5-1 for one mana. Uh, if you're playing it later on, you could play it with another undead. And then they have to get rid of that undead and then ping this as well to not get the benefit. Otherwise, you'll you'll get a 4-2. That's six stats for one mana, which is pretty good. All right. We are through the Cs. And we're through some of the D-pluses that we just talked about. Let's look at one more D-plus. This is, uh, what is this? Flesh Behemoth. Flesh Behemoth. Let me see if I can find this. Okay, here we go. Flesh Behemoth is a D-plus card. It is a 9-mana 4-8 taunt. That seems very crappy. Death Rattle. Draw another undead and summon a copy of it. So, uh, it's a 4-8 taunt that brings up another minion out of your deck to get a copy of. Is that worth 9-mana? Not not by a long shot. Well, you also get a copy of the undead in your hand. Okay, so you've drawn an extra minion. It's fine, but it's still not great. It ends up being a D plus. It's one of the rare cards that is uh, not as good as a Yeti even. Um, I think it's meant for some kind of synergies. If, if you only put specific undeads in your deck or something. Uh, like either really big ones or really really important ones that you want to draw anyway or and summon, but um, in arena this doesn't this does not really work well. But still, right? Like why is it a D plus then? Why is it not an F? It's still a big thing, and in arena big things just has value, and it's a big thing with taunt, so that gives it extra value even if it's not like worth it for the stats or whatever. It's still doing something. Like, sometimes you just need eight stuff of taunt, you know? Or sometimes you just need a lot of stuff. And a 4-8 plus another thing on the board plus another card in your hand is still a lot of stuff, even if 9 mana is inefficient. 
right, finally we have another D plus card, which is Plague Spreader. This one's epic, four mana, four, four, undead. Death Rattle, transform a random minion in your opponent's hand into a Plague Spreader. This could be really good if you get that like Sire that your opponent's been holding. And there's gonna be some cards your opponents are holding that are good. But they're probably also holding other cards, and this is a random card. It is not Discover. You do not have to go and, like, you know, you, you do not get to pick. It is just random. So if they're just holding three cards, you have one-third of the chance to hit the big bomb, assuming your opponent even has a big bomb. And again, your opponent doesn't have a lot of big bombs nowadays. Remember this rotation. It's going to be a, a pretty mild, low-power rotation. This is not going to be a rotation where Plague Spreader is going to shine. Um, like, it's a D plus because it's only slightly better than a 4-4, this ability. Because it can also transform non-cards in your opponent's hands, like bananas or coins or whatever, into Plague Spreaders, which are 4-4 minions. Um, further, if you have a bomb, you cannot play this card. It is an unplayable card. Because you do not want to give your opponent the chance to get your bomb transformed. Like, it's a very interestingly designed card. And it's not terrible. So in Arena, you'll still see it. I think some people will think it's actually very good. Uh, and they're wrong. <laughs> but uh, but you'll see it. And it'll be annoying. But ultimately, the effect is going to be sporadically game-winning, but for the most part, not very impressive. Um, okay. Now we are down to the D cards. These are, these are worse than a croc. You really don't want these cards in your deck. But they're not, like, unplayable. You'll, you'll still sometimes be forced to draft cards that are worse than a croc, but you're you're definitely not happy with these. First one is Foul Egg. One mana, O2 undead. Death Rattle, summon a 3-3 undead chicken. It's an egg. Eggs are worse than crocs. Eggs are not undraftable. There's plenty of things that buff eggs, and there's plenty of things that just require you to have an undead thing on the board. Remember all the random stuff that, has, that requires an undead thing on the board? It's kind of a liability if your opponent plays a foul egg for you to just like keep it around. Because plenty of good cards utilize undead stuff. So it's a D. Um, which is pretty high for an egg. But eggs have just kind of gotten decent these days. Next one is a Silver Moon Arcanist. Remember, we are still uh, at the D level, below a croc. Silvermoon Arcanist is a 3-mount of 2-2. Two, two. Spell damage plus 2. Battle cry. Your spells can't target heroes this turn. It's a spell damage card. I didn't break it down to what class uses spell damage more or whatever. It's just not a good card. Um, if you have the spells, this is somewhat draftable. Still going to be worse than a croc. Uh, it's better than 4-mana 2-2 spell damage plus 2, which was the prior card that existed in neutral. Uh, but it's it's still bad. It is a, it is a D. Um, you know, use your judgment. See if you have the combo pieces. But you probably won't. And this card's unplayable by itself. 
that's it for the D's. You now we are going to wrap this up with a F plus card and an F card. The F plus card is a magma rager. They call it a scourge rager. I don't know why I can't find it. There we go. Uh, but it's a common card. It's a three mana five four undead reborn battle cry die. So it's a five one because it gets reborn after it dies. I mean, this 5-4 is fine for, like, being pulled out of your deck or, like, you know, something like that. So it's not like the 5-4 is totally useless. But for the most part, it's useless. You just It's just a 3-mana 5-1. Um, yeah, it's an F+. Finally, there's actually an F-tier card. It is a legendary. It's not meant for the arena. Uh, it is Bone Lord Frost Whisperer. Bone Lord Frost Whisperer is a 6-mana six 6-6 six, six undead, and you may be thinking, hey, that's not unplayable in Arena. Well, the death rattle is, for the rest of the game, your first card each turn costs 0 mana. You die in 3 turns. I'll be honest. No math was involved in this. Just don't draft it. Having a 0-cost card per turn after this thing dies, so you first have to kill it to begin with, it's not going to win you the game. At least not very fast. Like, you're not just going to be in a, have a handful of, like, 8 mana cards waiting to go. You're going to be playing, like, you know, maybe one 8 mana card, and then, like, I don't know, a 5 mana card, and then, like, you're dead. Is that 8 mana card and 5 mana card going to win you the game in that short period? No. This is like constructed level pacing. This is not arena level pacing. The best thing about this card may be that it may not die. It may be a 6 mana 6-6. Six, six, and 6 mana 6-6s six, six have values. They're like a D card or whatever. So if it doesn't die, it's not super terrible. But, you know, I didn't map this out. It could be like an F+, because maybe it won't die. Or maybe it'll be a long time before it dies, and then the game's decided by that point anyway. But, but, but then it's a 6-mana six 6-6. Six, six. Like, it's, it's ability. Like, once it dies, you're in trouble. Not like once it dies, oh goody, I get to, like, you know, play stuff. Um, so yeah, like, I read it at F. It could be an F+. I don't know. I don't know how you math out you die in three turns. Um, but, uh, but just don't draft it. This is not a good... This is definitely not a good arena card. This is definitely not an okay arena card. This is definitely a bad arena card. And if you're a skillful player, you just kind of want to avoid cards like these anyway, right? Like, much less cards like these that are actually bad on top of that. Alright. That's it for all the neutral cards. Um, as you see, there's a couple of game changers in these, like, rest of the, like, the not-super-good ones. Like, Street Sweeper is the big one. The big, big one. Because it's a double-sided board clear. You have Translocator Instructor, which is a neutral uh, hard removal that also silences. You have... Oh, I forgot what card it was. One of these uh, two-mana cards that silences and freezes. Um, I think... Is it Coroner? I think it may be Coroner. Um, so those are game-changing cards, but they're not that good. Uh, so the rest of the cards are just pretty normal cards. Um, 
They may have some quirks to it, but this is a very neutrally neutral set. And at the end of the day, none of these cards are going to matter all that much because Silver Moon Sentinel exists. Silver Moon Armor exists. And the Rubian Vizier exists. They're just going to overshadow all of these cards. In a normal set, you would get way more Bs, by the way. There are, if you don't count Bone Flayer for Death Knight, for like normal classes, one, two, three, four, four B-tier cards and one epic B-tier card. In Nathria, you had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. You had eight non-legendaries in, in B-tier for Nathria. In Sunken City, you had 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. You had 11. Like, there's just not a lot of B-tier cards in this set. It's very low. Even if you add A and B-tier cards, it's kind of on the low side. Most of March of the Lich King is on the low power level side. And um, maybe that's why they decided to go with the overall low power level rotation. Because they really wanted to... To have March of the Lich King shine. And that's kind of what you have to do for that to happen. But just just beware. The power discrepancy is still there. It's not like this is a low power neutral set. This is a high power neutral set at the top. Vizier and your two Silver Moon Sentinel and Armorers. That's high. Your Enchanter and Hawkstrider Rancher. That's high. But the rest... It's just... Just kind of doesn't cut it for a modern set. It's a very weak modern set on the neutrals for the uh, non-top. And the top is the most powerful that we've seen by offering rate. So that's the split. Normally we do three splits on neutrals. This time we only do two. Because that's what made sense. Um, and yeah. I want to give a shout out to our Patreons. At patreon.com slash grinninggoat. Thank you guys so much for continuing to support us on the Patreon. Uh, if you're watching this on YouTube or listening to this on the podcast, that is uh, the way to support us. Uh, we don't do a lot of things. You know, we're not the kind of people who like give you stuff for, uh, for supporting us monetarily. But we do really, really appreciate it. And, uh, you know, helps us, uh, keeps us motivated not so much for the amount of money that we get. But for the fact that people find this, you know, important enough to be... Uh, supporting us with uh, with their hard-earned cash. Uh, same for the people who retweet us, for the people who uh, introduce uh, introduce their friends or other members of the community uh, to uh, to the podcast. Um, yeah, keep everybody. Uh, we just really appreciate everything that you do, whether it's uh, on the Patreon with some money or uh, or with some uh, likes and and retweets and just mentions of places. All really really appreciate it. Uh, and that's it for March of the Lich King Neutrals. We are now moving on to the class cards, which I hope will go faster than this, because without Murphs, I thought I was going to speed through this, but we're now two and a half hours in, and we haven't done a single class yet. Uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll see if this pushes me past midnight. All right. Until Demon Hunter, this is Abukta. <laughs>
Enjoying the Light Forge? For the full rundown on Hearthstone Arena draft strategy, card review, and arena gameplay, follow us on YouTube, Twitter, or twitch.tv at ADWCTA. Support the podcast by sharing us with your friends and family or become a patron at patreon.com slash grinning goat. Thank you for tuning in and see you next week.